This is Disney Forever. Welcome to our perpetual Disney movie investigation podcast. I'm Void, and I'm here with my co-host, Katie, who has amazing pull quotes like this. The puppies. <laughs> That's a good one. Today's feature presentation is 101 Dalmatians, but this time from 1996, and it's live action. Katie, what is this movie? It's exactly what you said it is, but it has a star-studded cast, which is just ridiculous, and this movie was written by um, John Hughes. Yes, it it does have a good cast. Um, I pulled some history on around this one. Uh, so this is the live action adaptation of the 1961 animated film that we already watched earlier this season. Um, one of the things that I thought was interesting was that the animatronics used in this film were made by Jim Henson's Creature Shop. And I was trying to, after I found that out, I was trying to watch for them during the movie. I don't think it's the dogs. I think it's like the other animals that are in the movie, kind of more in the second half that are animatronic more often. Um, and then I know that because a lot of, well, one of the things is that they used a ton of puppies for this movie. So there were 300 Dalmatian puppies used during the filming because they could only use them when they were, and I quote, at their cutest, which apparently is from five weeks to six weeks old. So they had like a two week span with the puppies before they got too big and they couldn't use them anymore. And so because of that, it, it sounds horrible to be like, oh my God, they use so many puppies, what they do afterwards. But because they had to do that, the producer of this film personally guaranteed the adoption of every single puppy used in the making of this film. So I thought that was pretty cool. No, it's super awesome. But also like, where do you find 300 Dalmatian puppies? I don't know. I mean, if you're Disney, you just source them, I guess. You have your ways. Um, so a couple of things that came out of this one, uh, it was actually nominated for a few awards. Uh, Glenn Close was nominated for Best Actress in a Musical or Comedy for this film. And then the, the film itself was also nominated for a BAFTA Award for Best Makeup and Hair. And then overall, the film grossed $320 million on a $67 million budget. So it was a huge financial success for Disney. It did really well. And it ended up being the sixth highest grossing film of 1996 um and then obviously like it did well enough so it got uh, a sequel called 102 dalmatians that released in uh 2000 and it also got a tiger electronics handheld game you know those like little bad games that used to be at target all the time that were like horrible black and white lcd screens yeah this had a, a game one of those and then it actually got a video game based on the film as well um and then more recently there was also the 2021 reboot called Cruella, which you and I haven't watched yet, but we'll have to get around to it eventually. Yeah, with Emma Stone. Yes, exactly. Um, and that's kind of the history there, besides the fact that, like you said, it's a stark-studded cast. So what did you think of this one overall? It was actually a lot better than I thought, and it's actually way better than it has any right to be, to be honest. I kind of felt the same. Like, the, the main thing I walked away from this one with was... Yeah, it was better than I expected. And also, I think I like it better than the original, which I it, wasn't expecting that. And it's also different from some of the other live action animal ones we watched because the animals didn't even need narration at all. Like the movie was fine without having like the pet narration or having the animals speak. It didn't need yeah. it. No, it was fine. And it it kind of maybe slowed down the second half of the film a little bit to not have mm -hmm. that much dialogue, but it still mostly worked for the most part. Um, yeah, but I mean, that kind of gets into the moments. Did Was there anything that jumped out at you about this one? Um, I absolutely love um, that Jeff Daniels is in this movie and he plays Roger. And then it's the... I think the woman that plays Anita is also the mom from The Parent Trap. I might be wrong. Okay. I, though. 
I don't know. I don't know actors and actresses well enough to know that. I did know Jeff Daniels, which, hey, whenever I actually recognize someone, I'm like, ooh, they must be a big name person. Yes. And I like I like how they had um, they modernized it right for 1996. So like Roger is not a musician. He's a video game designer who's designing a Dalmatians video game based on his own pet. Yeah. And he's looking for his breakout hit, just like, you know, the songwriter was. And it ends up being that like Cruella needed to be his villain. I mean, I guess spoilers for the end, but it's not a huge spoiler. Um, Just like the Cruella song ended up being a big hit for Roger. So, yeah, I liked how they tied it together like that. And I also kind of liked some of the modern pivots like that uh, Anita is a fashion designer and she works for Cruella. And it just kind of like, I don't know, it, it seemed to work pretty well for the story. Um, also very upset about the whole story about how there was like a murdered tiger from a yeah. zoo. And it turns out that it was like Cruella who hired somebody to kidnap the tiger, then murder it, then skin it, and then send her the skin. Yeah, it's there's a couple subplots in this movie that didn't quite land with me. I mean, the movie is like a little over two hours and it feels like it could have been cut down to probably a stronger like 90 minutes. Um, but that being said, it was still like overall a pretty good two hours um Mm -hmm. there was one thing that bugged me in the first little bit is that he doesn't recognize his own dog when pongo runs off so it's kind of like you know pongo runs off to go chase after uh oh i'm forgetting the girl dog's name help Uh, me out purdy purdy yeah like he chases after her and like drags uh jeff daniels after him and when when um you know he loses track of the dog and then he goes and he finds it he like grabs purdy instead and he's like pongo you ran off and it's like do you really not recognize your own dog that's kind of weird to me yeah it's kind of sad that he didn't like recognize pongo at all and like then he just was like trying to steal a dog and i was like um when Anita like hit him in the head with her bag, he deserved yeah. that. Well, and the I thought that it was kind of, I mean, it, it works for the story because it has to, but it's mm-hmm. kind of weird pacing how fast they go from meeting to marriage, which does happen <gasps> right? in the original, but it happens so, it feels, how do I say this? It feels much more incorrect in live action than it did as a cartoon. It, it feels more just rushed and over the top in live action than it does like in the animated because like they literally fall both fall into the water and then they're at his house and he's like will you marry me and i'm like yo you barely know each other yeah he he's like asking her if she wants another cup of tea and he accidentally says do you want another cup of marriage which made me laugh and then she's kind of like well actually i kind of would like to and then he's like wait seriously and then the next scene is just like they're getting married it reminds me of like, you know, in Enchanted when he was like, well, how long have you and you known your prince? She's like a day. He's like, you've known yeah. him so long that it feels like a day. She's like, no, it's been a day. <laughs> yep. No, that's exactly what happens here. But then you get to the wedding scene and the dogs kind of have their own wedding that's going on in like the background of the scene. And I thought that mm-hmm. was really cute. I like that scene a lot. It was very cute. And then there was like a bunch of other dogs that were there for that wedding. It was really cute. Yeah, they were the doggy witnesses for the doggy mm-hmm. wedding. Yes. Yeah. Obviously. And then another thing that jumped out to me was that, like, I think Anita must be the breadwinner 
in the situation that they're in because Roger hasn't actually like sold a game. So I don't think he has any income. And yet they seem to have like a huge suburban house with a live-in nanny. And like they're doing pretty well for themselves for not having him like be employed. It's kind of a, I don't know how that situation works. Uh, it has to be Anita because it seems that she has a very successful, I think so, like fashion designing career. But also, can we talk about how upset Carilla gets that she like finds a man and gets married? Like, girl, let the girl live her life. Like, come on. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And you know, Carilla is supposed to be the villain though, so it's okay. I mean, that you're supposed to be mad at her about it. I mean, she with the fur thing, I'm already mad, so it's fine. Yeah, yeah. And then that's kind of where, like, my in-depth notes on the moment stop because that's about halfway through the film, and then they have the puppies, and then the second half of the film is just, like, the same. It's, like, the same as the animated one, except they're using live-action dogs for it. And but the dogs are cute, and the animatronic animals work, and, like, the story works, but it was just less... I don't know. It was a little bit less compelling for me in the second half. Um, but if we have to talk about what the most important thing is, is Horace and Jasper are Dr. House and Mr. Weasley. <laughs> oh, yes. That is such a good call out. <laughs> it's actually, they do really well because it's really funny going back to watch this movie and seeing how they act in this because Hugh Laurie has been in such different roles, right? Like thinking about how he plays Dr. House and then watching him act like a complete idiot. And well, stuff his and just background is ridiculous. comedy. Like his yes. original background is comedy, so it makes sense. Like he works really well. But I was not expecting the other guy to be uh, Arthur Weasley. I was very surprised. Right. That's why it's so funny because it's literally like Glenn Close, and then it's Jeff Daniels, who who does comedy really well, who is also a very serious actor at the same time. And then you have Doctor House and Mister Weasley. <laughs> yep. Yeah. The I mean the cast really. It kind of makes the movie. So all of the scenes in the second half where it was a lot of dogs and the dogs were going mm-hmm. from point A to point B or getting into hijinks, it was just kind of like, I don't know, it didn't grab me as much as when the humans were on screen. Whereas I felt almost the opposite in the original. Yeah, I think it pulls away because like there's not a lot of, it's only action and not a lot of like commentary at all between them besides like barking and stuff and then like them being with the different animals i think that part was also like sped up a bit because they found the puppies not that far from the house whereas in um from the house that they were taken to because in the animated one right like they go through like that whole thing and that long journey and they get into the moving truck and it takes them back to london and this one they get rescued by the police yeah, they definitely tried to tighten it up, and it still felt a little long. <laughs> You're like, it's still super long. It's still long. Like, the camping is still long. <laughs> yeah, it took a while. Um, but, I mean, yeah, that's kind of the moments for this one, unless anything else jumped out to you. Um, I don't think so. I mean, the fact that Carilla wanted that, like, she, like, bought and paid for a bunch of puppies and then kidnapped a bunch of puppies so that she could skin them and make a... a a cape out of dog fur is just messed up. <laughs> she is still a horrible person. I agree. Yes. Um, so that gets us to the bad and the good. Um, 
The bad for me, I didn't have a ton except for um, it's kind of long compared to the original, which I already mentioned. Mm -hmm. Like this one is almost two hours or maybe it's a couple minutes over two hours, but it's right around that two hour mark. And like I already said, it's like the second half of it just felt a little slow to me because the actors are so strong that when you go away from the actors and you have the second half of the film without a whole lot of dialogue, it just kind of like it doesn't move as fast. Yeah, that's pretty true. Like the back half of the movie was pretty boring until you get to the part where everyone's getting arrested and Yeah, and then you get dialogue again and then it's funny and it, like it works through the rest of the film. Yeah, and Yeah, but other than that and then other than Cruella just being a bad person. <laughs> <laughs> um it's all but- pretty fine. The good, um, I thought there was like a lot of really good animal handling work. I mean, obviously, 300 puppies plus full-grown dogs. Um, that was, it's impressive. And then overall, like even though this one's longer, like I said, I do think this is more entertaining than the original animation one. Mm-hmm. So I would take this one over that one any day, I think. Yeah, I mean, overall, I thought this movie was really good. The casting was done very well. It's a very strong cast. It was well-written, too, even though there's, like, parts that are kind of boring. But overall, like, it's a John Hughes movie, which I forgot. Yeah. <laughs> um, For people that need to know, John Hughes is the one who did, like, The Breakfast Club and Pretty in Pink and, like, Made in Manhattan, all of these, like, very iconic movies from the 80s and the 90s. Um. Like he wrote the the screenplay for this movie. <laughs> yeah, it is a John Hughes movie. I didn't know that either until I think it hit the credits at the end, and I was like, "Oh, okay." A lot of things clicked into place for me. Yeah, because um, yeah. he still does like the same style of writing. So like, you can even feel the cliches within this film. Oh yeah, definitely. that you notice from like some of his other movies. It's pretty funny. Um, mm-hmm. so would we watch it again? Um. Yeah, I would say so. I think it's pretty good. It's worth a it's worth another rewatch down the line, probably. My reaction is almost exactly the way that you just said that, where it's like, um, yeah, like it's yes, I think so. If the mood struck and it was the right time, and I wanted a hundred million Dalmatians, like it's not one that I'm going to go back to regularly. But yeah, I'd watch it again at some point in the future. That's undetermined. Like, yeah, I think so. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, So if you guys want to watch along with us, what we have coming up next, we're going to do Cars from 2006, Ice Princess from 2005, Babes in Toyland from 1961, which I've never actually seen that one, and then The Santa Claus from 1994. And then we're going to do like a season two recap and reflection and kind of wrap the season before the holidays and take a little break. So that's the rest of season two we have laid out ahead of us um don't forget we are part of a network we have podcasts we have streamers we have the geekery blog all that and more at geek2geekmedia.com or go to geek2geekmedia.com slash subscribe to get it sent to you which brings us to weekly geekery katie what are you geeking out about this week um well i'm sorry if my audio sucks everyone i'm currently recording this from inside my office (laughs) So work, um, lots of work. So work, lots and lots of work. Um, hilariously, I watched a second Glenn Close movie after I watched this one. Okay. Um, she was in uh, The Girl with All the Gifts, which was um, one of the movies that we covered on the zombie podcast. Oh, cool. She was also an evil doctor in that one. So I think she's good at being evil. Yes, yes. Um, so I finished, I finished up the zombie podcast, which was super fun. Um, lots of movies. Uh, so I'm down to four podcasts instead of five now. Oh, there you go. That's a huge load off. Just one out of five. Wow. You're doing so many. I mean, if you think about it, 
when this podcast and that one coincided, I had to watch four movies, which is oh. a lot of prep. Yeah, that's like eight hours of prep per week. Yeah. Or per every recording session. That's a lot. Exactly. So it's nice to like have that load off so it's not so bad. Um, So there's that. What else have I been doing? Just, you know, K-pop stuff. Just didn't really do anything for Halloween. I helped my sister hang some shelves. Um, Cool. That's a very adult. There's an ambulance driving by. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Um, Um, Yeah, that's it. Very adulting. Okay, fair. Um, for me, I uh, I went back and I started rewatching the Matrix series, the trilogy, because the new one is coming out sometime in the next month or two. Here, I don't remember the exact date, but the I was like, you know, I loved the first movie, and I've watched the second and the third a couple times, but I don't really remember them as well as I feel like I should going into the fourth movie, which is kind of I don't know if it's a soft reboot, but whatever. They're revisiting the universe, right? Um, and so going back to the Matrix series, you've seen all these, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. So I was so surprised by how amazing that first movie still is. Like, it is five-star, two thumbs up, extremely highly recommended, incredible movie. Like, The Matrix is probably an all-time great movie for cinema history. The Matrix 2 and 3, <laughs> much, much less so. Like, they're okay action movies, but they definitely feel like a product of the time. And like the storytelling is just, it's okay. And it's like two halves of one story. So you have to put them together. It feels like um, if it were like modern, like if, if this had come out now, right? The Matrix would have come out as this huge, big blockbuster movie. And then what happens in the Matrix two and three should probably, instead of being a two movies, it probably should have been like an eight to 10 episode miniseries on a streaming platform because it would have fit better. Um, but that's just not what they were doing at the time, right? It was the early 2000s. So yeah, the Matrix Reloaded, Matrix Revolutions. I'm glad I watched them again. So I have the context in my head for the new one coming out that I I keep forgetting what it's called resurrection something like that i think so yeah okay um but i wanted to bring it up because even though two and three are kind of what i expected the first one still holds up just incredibly well so if you guys haven't watched any of that series in a long time you could probably skip two and three but i would really recommend going back and watching the first matrix movie it's kind of incredible um i mean keanu so you know where i feel about that yeah yeah that's fair um <laughs> that's probably it for today you guys can find us all over the internet our email address is disney forever podcast at gmail.com or reach us on twitter at disney ever pod you can also talk to us in real time by joining our slack workspace or our discord server i blog at agreenmushroom.com and you can find me at grn mushroom that's green mushroom without the e's on twitter i'm also on the geek geek podcast with bj keaton and you can find me on both Twitter and Instagram by searching the handle at Lady Catherine P. I'm also the co-host of two podcasts with my best friend, Tea Time with Katie and Chelsea, and you can't stop me loving K-pop. And I'm also one of the members of the What Is Not Real playthrough segment on As the Dice Roll. And you just finished a guest spot on? On Geektitude. Yes, you've been all over the place. This has been Disney Forever with Katie and Void. We'll be back next week, as long as Disney keeps making content. That can't be forever, right? I mean, they did a prequel to 101 Dalmatians. Maybe they'll do, like, doggy origins of 101 Dalmatians. (laughs) 99 Dalmatians. (laughs) 